Hi, and welcome to the Greatest Music Podcast, where we listen to ours and other people's favorite songs, music, artists, whatever we can find to find the greatest music in the world. My name is Andy. And I'm Ian. And, and this, this is the, is the Greatest, greatest music, music Podcast. podcast. <laughs> it doesn't line up. Never does. We'll I... fix it in post. <laughs> All right, man. So, th- so this past week we had our wives on, and <laughs> we were trying to do some version of of love songs and date night, and we were calling it the double date dozen and whatever because we were on episode twelve, uh, and it was great, but not for anybody but us. I don't yeah, think. yeah. We kind of we had a good time, but I don't think anybody else would want to listen to us just gab for two two hours. It was forever. But out of that, we I think we've got, you know, two, three, maybe even four real episodes um, that we're just going to bookend for everybody. So you can hear the the actually interesting parts rather than uh, our memories parts. <laughs> and Which that w- that's, once again, part of our system, what we're trying to get the nostalgia and memories stuff. We're talking about music critically and what makes it great. Yeah. Um, critically for... For us. <laughs> true, true, true. Amateur critically. Yeah. Immature or amateur? Both. There we go. All right. So this week, uh, we decided to take uh, Tiffany's song, my wife Tiffany's song that she brought for us, um, which was You and Me by Dave Matthews. That's her That's her and I's song, if you will. Um, you know, one that reminds her of me and our family and all of that. Um, and it's pretty easy to understand why. But uh, I thought we could jump into the video clip and let everybody listen uh, to what came out that night. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the actual music itself. Sounds good. So this is the conversation between you and I and then your wife, Tiffany, and my wife, Donna, discussing You and Me by Dave Matthews. So for Ian, this has a lot of background to it. So when we started dating, we were in high school And I was this little punker, and Ian loved, loved Dave Matthews, who I hated. I did not like any of his music. It was the season of Crash and Trippin' Billies and, uh, what was it, Ants Marching. What would you say? What's the other one? What would you say? But in all the years of dating him, I started to grow and love Dave Matthews. And What's so, not to love about Dave Matthews? I agree. Well, I really enjoy him now. So Some people don't like his me, voice. Yeah, his I voice can, understand can be that. difficult. I like his new, like, I still don't like Crash and that album and all of that, but I like all the stuff going forward, and I love that he's a really good storyteller. But long I story short, I think he's a lot better at that, yeah. Uh, I chose You and Me, which was on Big Whiskey and the Grugrex King 2009 album uh and it's about him and his wife yeah uh Mm. but this was supposed to be like the uh the the happier song on the album but um yeah i just i think it summarizes ian and i's relationship really well and the fact that he he made me a dave fan it made even more sense to pick a dave song um 
Yeah. Are there some of the lyrics in particular? Uh, you and me together, <laughs> we can do anything. Yeah. Baby. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> uh, and we're going to teach our kids to fly. So that line just actually really just hit me. It was a couple weeks ago. I was mowing the lawn listening to music, and that song came on. And I was like, oh, I like, I get it. You you want the kids to, like, leave. <laughs> yeah. Fly the <laughs> but, nest. But, it, yeah, there's a guy on Instagram that I follow that he he's big into watching the robins and birds in his backyard. And, like, it all sort of disconnected. And I was like, oh, I get, we want to do a good enough job that you fly and you leave and you have a great life. And yeah. Um, yeah. we can go off and do our own thing. And you don't have to come back and bug us. <laughs> I know that's a Isn't little that harsh. What parents want, though? You know, like, you know, you're trying to get your kids ready to go be themselves by themselves. <laughs> you know? And safely. Yeah. Maybe. Yes, safely. safely. I would like our kids to be safe when they become adults. <laughs> More fun than safety. But I he think. wrote this. So he wrote this song uh, while he was on a boat with his family in uh, Saratoga, Lake Saratoga, and I was like, "Oh, that's so sweet." This Ian does really sweet things like that too. He writes songs <laughs> uh, for us. No. And I yeah, so. Yeah, I like, so, Dave Matthews, like, to talk about it a little bit, I, Dave Matthews, to me, has always been a band that was heads and tails better live than anything they put out in the studio. Um, I, I, and we've talked about this a little bit. There are some bands that are really good at recording. They, like, get that, their head gets wrapped around it, they're really good at it. And there's other bands that are just perform, like, just like to play you know um and like like the grateful dead you know like that's why that live album is always one of the ones that's pushed forward first by grateful dead fans you know don't don't listen to the studio recording grab a live album first you know um and that's how i feel about dave matthews but there's been an an evolution if you will um i feel like in their music as he's gotten older as the band has gotten older and they're writing much more much more personal, you know, like they're not as like, not so much big picture ideas as some of their earlier stuff was. Um, and there's a lot more storytelling, like Tiffany was talking about. Like, I feel like they can capture that better in a recording studio. Uh, even though I think this recording in general relies so much on, on the mix and, and a few washes and, synthesizer fill sounds or reverse symbols to like actually make it work as a recording um but yeah i love that his storytelling has has narrowed so like he really started to draw like two albums prior to that really just started to draw from his kids and his family uh which i think made the recordings that much more real uh whereas before it was it was eat drink and be merry and let's all get along and love one another kind of thing. And then we're going to get high on the side. Yeah. That was a lot of what it was, of just this sort of younger person vibe. Some, yeah, but there were some big concepts in that earlier stuff, too. Yeah. You know, like, but it was just, yeah, they they couldn't, it, 
I don't just the the recordings couldn't capture what was happening when they were all just playing together, you know, um, which I always thought was a shame because most of the time people are introduced to a band by one of their studio albums and it's just, uh, it's good, but it's not, it's not it, you know, it's not the thing that's, that's working for these guys. Sure. And I, I don't want to be negative because I like the song, but you and me is if you would someone's like hey what's dave matthews band sound like you and me is not going to be your first song you're going to grab i would agree and yeah. be like oh yeah this is dave matthews it's like no that's complete it's it's weird it's like a it's almost felt like because he did that album some devil where it was just his songs and they were they could have been dave matthews band songs and they've sort of incorporated a couple of them into their repertoire but it was like, nah, this could have probably just been a Dave song and it would have been fine. Mm-hmm. One thing I do appreciate it though is it it has it definitely has a Dave Matthews signature where the the rhythm is its own thing. Like that guitar is playing on the the three, and then like the six. It's weird, like the the strumming pattern. Don't you go to da Like he has a very it's just innate to him, I guess. Like, in well, his and he he theory. attributes that to his South American uh, upbringing, African? or South African, excuse me, South African upbringing, yeah. uh, and just having that influence of African music, not only South South African music, but just African music as a whole, just a sort of more tribal, and it's not yeah. one two three four, one two three four, one two three four. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's one thing, like, that is one thing that you can kind of pull out of that song and be like, that's something Dave Matthews does. Like, that's him there. Um, yeah, whether yeah, it's him or the band, yeah. Yeah, but I feel like, yeah, this is one of those songs that was like, I'm going to play this, and then everybody else came into the studio and was like, oh, well, I'll play a bass line to that, you know, and then I'll just drum this bit here to fill it in. Like, because um, one of the things I love about the Dave Matthews band is the the play off the guitar and the drums. I mean, Carter can play stuff that I didn't even know was possible. Like, yeah, I didn't know you could hit this many things at <laughs> once. Um, like, it was in that just, time frame over top of this music. Yeah, yeah, you know, it was like, how are you strumming that? Oh, well, I can play that on the drums like this. <laughs> you know, and it's and then he sings. Man, that pisses me off. Like he does all of that, and he sings. He chews bubblegum most of the time too. Oh, no. That's the one that really makes me mad when you watch clips of him just chewing bubblegum, blowing bubbles, and he's doing these mad fills and just playing these complex syncopated rhythms on top yeah. of everything. And it's just like, oh, stop, just stop. Yeah. But I mean, that's why he's considered one of the greatest drummers of all time for sure. Yeah, uh, I think that's which what makes that band great too is the fact that so many of them are just like astonishing in the instrument that they play yeah other than uh boy tinsley oh really you don't think you're uh, not a boy fan yeah boy gets a lot of flack for there was later years where i think he was just more about being there and being in the experience and not less about playing and there's a lot of bootlegs of he's off tempo he's off tune yeah, and I think that he had a lot of personal things going on in his life. And, uh, well, that's why he's no longer in the band as well. So, yeah. anyway. That man's a large band. Just to, to oh, yeah, you met him, him, right? <laughs> I met him in a CD store in the Colonial Park Mall. 
Um, wow. They were in town because they were playing in Hershey, and I was working in the Limited, and uh, one of the security guards, who was a friend of mine, came in, and he was like, I'm not supposed to say, but look, it sounds like there's one of the Dave Matthews Band people in the CD store, and I was like, oh, I'm going to see who this is. If it's Dave, I'm going to lose my cool. But I went down there, and there's like all these little girls... And they knew who he was, and they were like, oh, should we go say something? Should we go say something? And I just marched right into the store, to the back of the store, and I was like, hey, are you playing Tinsley? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so you. Get out of my way. I'm doing it. <laughs> and I had him sign an envelope that I happened to have, and we talked for a minute, and he shook my hand, and the man has these massive hands. Yeah. I, oof, <sighs> massive. And he was super cool. Uh, in the moment. Yeah. That's so cool. Hmm. They used to park their buses out in front of the Hilton, too, when I worked down there. But I never got to meet them because I worked, you know, during the day. And they were either sleeping or coming or going. So I never crossed paths with him. I did cross paths with Johnny Resnick the one time. But never the Dave Matthews Band. Oh, well. Yeah, he used to sit out in front of the, the stadium with his wife and his kids while the people were coming in for the show they would just sit there in the grass uh, along what what road is that right there in front of 39 is it 39 yeah and just watch like the cars coming in playing with like two little daughters playing running back and forth i didn't know that oh yeah interesting yeah yeah lots of dave matthews stories that should we'll make that an episode one day someday Someday. He definitely deserves to be talked about. All right. So, hmm. What do we do with all of that? Where do you want to begin with this song, Andy? Do we just, do we need to comment on it? Or should we just go right to the, our, our rubric? Well, I, I have a few comments because I went down the YouTube rabbit trail of this song and must have listened to every performance that I could find. There's and a I lot gotta, of them. There is. Um, and I love the Dave Matthews Band for that, that there are so many live concerts and things to pull from because um, a lot like the Grateful Dead, their set and the way they play the songs does change. Um, maybe not night to night, but definitely week to week, definitely tour to tour. Um, and who's with them and what special guests. So um, there is a lot to listen to if you're a Dave Matthews fan. It, sure. it will sound I, different. I don't know. I think I would contend that. I think they play it completely different. They play it differently every night. Even though they're playing the same format and the pattern, there's nuances. You can go down long, long rabbit trails of which version is the best version of every individual particular song and people have their favorites and which which is fine it's fun i enjoy that stuff but i know most people they after listening to the song four times they'd be like okay can we listen to something else and it's like yeah. no but we have to listen to the nuance and the <laughs> and he does this thing vocally that one time where he plays that little chord kind of and he misses it but he slides up into the right chord and it sounds perfect but mm-hmm. it was a total accident. But that's what made it what it was. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you can say that about not only Dave Matthews, but everybody else in the band. You yep. can hear just the subtle little changes and all the different things. Um, but the great things I love about the live recordings are, one, you can hear the bass way better. It stands out. It's a little more out front than it is on the the actual recording from the Grugrux King. And the drums. Oh, my Lord. They're real drums, and they're perfect. This is true. I mean, if you're going to have one of the best drummers, if not the best drummer in the world, we might as well be able to hear him. <laughs> yeah. And and let him do his thing. <laughs> like, don't put Baby in a corner. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know? No, don't put Carter in a corner. Please and don't, don't put... Yeah, don't put any of them in a corner and don't make it easy because they'll come up with something. They've got more tricks in their fingers than I have rolling around in my head. You know, there's. Yeah. So now I think we can go on. I had to get that little rant out of the way. I am still a little bothered by some of this. Sure. Well, you you're particularly talking about we we sat down and listened to just two quick versions right before we began. We listened to. What, a 2009 European tour live video. And then we also listened to the Grammys mm-hmm. performance. And they were oh, vastly different. Vastly different. And I must say, for you non-Dave Matthews fans, if you ever see Dave Matthews walk out on stage with a tie and or anything other than like a t-shirt or a long sleeve shirt that looks like he just kind of rolled out of bed, you don't have to listen to that one. That's a performance. The, that's that's not the, the Dave record Matthews label told band. him he had to dress up. <laughs> yeah. So if you see that, that's a big red flag. It'll be fine. It'll be good. But it's going to be a lot more like the recording. And it's it's just not going to be what most Dave Matthews fans think of when they think of Dave Matthews live show. Just Essentially, that's him being put in the corner, right? They box them in because they are an improv band all the way. Every night is improved. They know basically where they're going. They have a general roadmap. But when you do a performance for television and it can only be six and a half minutes long, you don't get that ability. You don't get that ability. And man, they cut so much stuff out of that. That drove me nuts. That's what you didn't hear Ian ranting for like 20 minutes prior to this about why on the Grammys did they just cut everything out of that performance? It was just like, if it's not that person's turn to shine we're just going to push it way back in the mix and you're not going to hear it so you're not going to hear what's going on with the electric guitar you're not going to hear what he's playing on the violin that dude was going nuts on some bongos they just cut that out you know like it was i don't even think he was mic'd i think he was just up there for show really yeah that makes me even more upset that is not a dave matthews thing to do no, that's a Grammys thing to do, and they were performing on the Grammys. And sometimes you, when you walk into someone else's house, right? You ever go over to somebody else's house back in the day when you were a little kid, and you had like, if they were a shoes off family, you you took your shoes off. It didn't matter what you do at your house. The thing I always found weird was the people that were shoes off people when they came to your house and they took their shoes off without even bothering to look if anybody else had not. And then it was like, oh. Now, am I the jerk for keeping my shoes on in my house? Do I tell them, put your shoes back on? <laughs> what do you do at that point? Because somebody's slipping right. and sliding across the linoleum floor, and it's not going to end well. Yeah, so all that being said, we're going to get to, is this song great? And we're going to talk specifically, specifically about the recorded version. So keep all of that in mind, um, that coming from a very lifelong Dave Matthews fan and another very lifelong Dave Matthews fan, it's about to get real. So, 
Is it technically great? So we're going off Big Whiskey and the Groo Grux King album from 2009. I I think I asked you this later in the conversation between our wives. And uh, was this part, I know they had long-standing thing with Lily Light. Lily White, Steve Lily White, the producer. Do you mm-hmm. know if this was a part of that? I don't, but I do remember you asking about that. I should have looked that up, but I didn't. Yeah, I should have too. That's nor- that's one of those weird facts that I probably should know about because I know all the other facts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this was very shortly after all of that, so they still would have been in that sort of mindset about let's make this recording really well and do the best thing we can it's a whole they approached it completely different than they approached their live show yeah yeah i mean a lot of this uh i would say after album three album four i can't remember where they they all start to mash together and it depends on what you call album one and yada 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 but it it became much more Dave comes in, records a song, they build pieces around it, and then everybody else comes in and fills in and does their thing. Sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less. But it was much more of a recording than a performance. I'm running out of words to kind of describe this. Maybe you can do that better. Well, I think what you're getting at is the beginning stuff was all a together collaborative effort where... These later albums, well, they I think they've gotten back to it, but there was a time period where it was, they had ideas, they came up with stuff separately, and then they passed it by each other. It wasn't like they were, and I know they did some of it, but they did more alone, and they, they would do something in their bedroom, and they would come back and be like, hey guys, I, I, I did this, what do you think about this, instead of discovering those things in the same room at the studio together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, where you have the interaction between the instruments as they're learning and playing off of each other. In a, like in this style of recording, it's here's this piece, and then the next guy says, well, I can do this, and the next guy says, well, I can do this, and then the next guy says, well, I can do this. And there's not that, oh, he did this, so let me change this now. And, oh, he did this, so I think I'll strum it this way instead. You know, mm-hmm. like the, it's not a back and forth. It's a, It's like stacking blocks on top of each other, and it's much sure. more... Much more formulaic, maybe, than it is than it is perf- performance. I'm I'm lacking words. Shoot, but I think I think you guys are getting at what I'm saying. Oh, I I completely what you're saying. It's not the essence of what they they do on their live show. Once again, it's yeah. it's just a completely different thing. But uh, I know a guy here uh, at our church that he actually grew up in was it Charlottesville. North Carolina, where they're from. And he was next door neighbors to their mentor manager guy when they first started. So they, their band space was his basement. They were playing next door. Dave Matthews was playing in the band in the basement next door to this guy I know. And he said, my parents were always annoyed because they were really loud and it was always late at night. And you could tell they were having a good time with uh, their consumption of different materials. and Materials? Yeah. It, they were smoking a lot of pot. <laughs> Drinking a lot of alcohol, smoking a lot of pot, and making music. And normally, people do that later in the evening and late at night. 
it's just kind of the musician way. Yeah. I think, are, are most musicians late night people just to begin with? Like, is that? Because I'm a nighttime person. I'm an evening person. I am not. I oh. need, no, oh, no, I do not. I shut down, man. Oh. Uh, I've gotten better at it. I can, now that I get better sleep, but when okay. I was not getting better sleep, I could fall asleep at, and give me five minutes and I'm asleep. Oh, uh, okay. Like I fall asleep dropping the phone on my face way too much. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. But I think as a whole, because when you are playing music in sort of the traditional sense, like we play church music, so that's, we have to play in the morning on generally a Sunday. Most bands, like secular bands, where are you playing? You're playing in a club or a bar, and your set doesn't start till 8 o'clock. Hey, Editor Andy here. Something went weird with our recording, and we didn't get the rest of the conversation. So let's just jump right into the categories. Here we go. Um, so is it technically great? And and I think, yeah, I mean, it's technically, it's recorded well, it's played properly. Whether you actually like the mix or not, or like the way it's put together, I mean, it it is... See, this is where I don't know where my qualms fit in our our system here. I'm going to put them here in technically because I don't think this song does it justice. Like we mentioned in our clip, if if I'm going to put on one Dave Matthews song to impress somebody to try and get them to be a Dave Matthews band uh, fan, this is not it. No. There's barely any Carter if any at all, that could yeah. all have been drum machine, as far as I know. Well, he does some booms and some handshakers. And but does he? Was there, was there a tambourine in there? I think it would have been him. I don't know why they would have had anybody else do it. Cost? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I. I don't I really don't know. don't know. I don't even know where this was recorded. Uh, this is what. <laughs> was this one of those ones where? Uh, after they got their studio, let's look. They have their own studio? That I didn't know. Lots of bands are doing that, though. But really, no, I think, I mean, because we have to put the nostalgia and the, it's it's kind of like, all right, so Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, right? There's there's your standard Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, you know, and now they're making the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup with the Reese's Pieces in it. You can get a big Reese's peanut butter cup. You can get the really thin ones. You can get it with all peanut butter. You can get it with all peanut butter now. Yeah. So I feel like it's one of those situations. Like, we know they can be our favorite Reese's peanut butter cup. And this song isn't being their favorite, like, my favorite Reese's peanut butter cup. It's still a Reese's peanut butter cup. It's still in my top two, three candies of all time. But it's not the version of it that I love the most. Okay, I get you. So I feel like, yeah, it's still technically great, is it? But man, like it's like mm-hmm. kind of like Aqualung. Yeah, it, it was recorded well um, for what they had and what they were doing, but it, it could have been way more. Yeah, they were at, I looked it up here, the Haunted Hollow in Charlottesville, Virginia. And then they moved uh, in February 08 to Seattle to Studio Litho. Because he has a home out there. Must be nice. And then 
they continued in Studio X, and then they moved and completed it in New Orleans. Which would make the most sense. They were all across the board when it came to recording and where they were recording. And I think that's slightly... Like, their earlier albums, it was all in one place. Um, Mm -hmm. All at once, in that big castle over in Europe. Which just sounds magical. It does. That seems like the way to go. Just get a castle in Europe and record an album. Yeah. I'm down. Do you, you have the money? I'm sure we could ask our fans and they would fund this. <laughs> Ian and Andy's greatest mixtape. Whoever donates the most money can, can name it. There we go. <laughs> also on this album... Uh, there are only two songs. There's you and me, and then there's another song, Time Bomb. Mm. They were the only. They're the only single song attributed to just Dave. Everything else has some combination of the other people on it, either Carter and Dave, or the whole band, or even including Rashawn Ross or Rashawn. I'm losing Rashawn and Jeff Coffin. Yeah, it was Jeff Coffin, Rashawn Ross. Yeah. So that Even also plays. Yeah, that this is this is the obscurity. Yeah, but it explains a lot, and it does give credence to a lot of the things that true Dave Matthews fans. That's a stupid thing to say, but like somebody that's been following them for a while can feel and hear as they listen to this, but. Still, true Dave Matthew fans are like vegans. You know, they'll tell you that they are, right? (laughs) Like, there's no joke. You like, you can tell when someone's on a diet because they will tell you they're on a diet, right? (laughs) Dave Matthews bands will tell you they're Dave. I've gone to this many shows. I've done this many. You know, they will tell you. Yeah, and they'll and they'll generally tell you when, like by album, when they became a fan, Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah. So is it technically great? I'm going to say yes. What do you say, Andy? Um, if we are doing recording itself, yeah, I would give it to it. But it's the that's a terrible mix for this song. When you see what they did with it in the year 2009, you're just like, why didn't they? Why didn't Carter play that drum stuff on there? Why didn't the Why didn't Stefan play that bass part? So I guess it technically, yes, I'll give it to it. But performance wise, I just don't think they made that song what it could have been for the recording. And maybe that was intentional. I don't know. I mean, there are some songs that are just that way. Live, they stumble across something and it's like, oh, this totally opens the song up. I don't feel that's true with this song because usually when they play it live, there's not that much different outside of the regular structure to the song that was already there. But, um, yeah. Okay, so we'll give it one. Yeah. So is it emotionally great? That would be number two. I think for my wife, it definitely is. For me, it definitely is. We share a connection over this song. Um, And it... So here we are. I, Mike, one of our regular listeners, gave us a really good analogy 
Oh, is a surgeon great or is the ER doctor great? You know, the ER doctor that can go through and do all of the different procedures and figure out all the things. He is great for being able to do all those things. And the surgeon is equally great at being able to do that one thing in a myriad of ways. Um, mm, which, I like that analogy. Uh, yeah, which was a really good kick in the pants for me because, like, that sort of opened my eyes to, like, okay, I kind of – I can kind of buy some of that in some way. Um as long as it's intentional for you. Yeah, and that's like, the tricky part. I don't like, always know if it's Because if I go in there with a scalpel and I happen to get lucky and clip the right things, does that make me great? No, I just got lucky. And that's what you're, that, I think that's how you would describe Radiohead with that album, is you think they just got lucky. Yeah, because there's a lot of repetition to it. With one song, mm-hmm. it becomes a lot harder. Um, sure. You know, is it emotionally great because of the one song? And I can't nostalgically remove myself from this song um just because tiffany and i have so many dates and times with our kids you know and you know especially for me like there's a lot of times we used to go hiking and playing at the creek and whatnot um with watson when he was really young and then he would fall asleep in the back of the car and we would turn this song on as we're driving through the woods to come home and it's just yeah, exactly. You know, like oh, t- that's me wiping away tears. I know, just for you listeners. But I can't, I can't not see There's that. Just allergy season here in Ohio. So I am going to say yes. Emotionally, it's great. Even trying to remove myself, I, I feel like from the the chords to the placement, uh, to the to the way he moves from from a, a nostalgic feel to to a a happy projective looking long-term feel in the course. Like I, I feel like there's a, a fairly dynamic emotional, single emotional dynamic range within the song. And see, I'm going to, I'm going to differ here. Good. If you think about your relationship with Tiffany, it's not just happy, sure. right? It's not just, I mean, love encounters all the emotions and it is you staying dedicated through it all. And I think that's what this is trying to say. It's like, no matter what we come across, the highs, the lows, the in-betweens, and now, yes, it is a somewhat happy song, but I think, can it be those emotions without actually musically of um, invicting those emotions? Can it, like, hint at those emotions? And we subconsciously deal with those emotions because we're talking about you know a husband and wife and they're saying these things like let's let's teach our kids to grow up well and 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 leave and then we can still be us together and like that was a phase of life and we're looking forward to that next phase of life and it might be hard now but it might get easier later or vice versa and so it doesn't hit it musically, but does it imply it enough that we can go, yeah, I think it hits those things. See, I think it does hit it musically. Like, And, and I think this is where some of the technical things pop in. The way that they did the mix um, and, the, and the, the parts of the chords that he's playing that they're choosing to bring out, you know, give it a, a bit more major feel than when he's just playing an inverted root and fifth or a root and fourth, excuse me, on, on the chords and the verses. So I feel like that's there, but that's a very Dave Matthews thing to do in general. Like there's, if it was another band, I would say, oh, they really tried to do this. When I think of Dave Matthews, I think of that chord structure and I think of the way he changes it in the, in the chorus to do that. So it's, it's 
not routine for him, but it is sort of a go-to structure for how he plays his chords and, and how he voices them. He claims that all the time. He's like, I just play the same stuff, and I just move it around the neck. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but that's but a whole he's so episode. good at it. I <laughs> Stupid but good at it. He's He is a one-trick pony, but... Oh man, is that pony beautiful? Yeah, and and I think too, it's it's a very uncommon pony. <laughs> yeah, th- that's definitely it. He's a an obscure, weird, rare breed of pony. He's not just your run of the mill pony. Yeah, and that's what makes it beautiful. And a lot of people have tried to rip him off. I feel like too, like it's there are a lot of musicians that came after him that started playing things like this, which is my beef. That they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that they they got blocked out last year, they didn't win the vote. So I hope when they come back up again, they get it. But yeah. that's another side story. I would say yes, this is emotionally great because it it not only hits the musically emotionally, but it just implies of a lot of emotion of relationships. Uh, and it's pretty. It's I think it's vague enough too, and things that people have thought about. Everybody mm-hmm. in a relationship has thought about the future and used some sort of these words. Okay, so we're two for two. Mm-hmm. Packaging. Hell no. <laughs> the, the cover of Big Whiskey and the Grugux King would not at all at any point along the way make me think I'm about to listen to something about a man and his kids and the sun and the moon following the cars. and I don't get it. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. And I'm looking at... Uh, the album. Well, I think the album as a whole it does a pretty good job because there's yeah. some weird, the why I am and alligator pie and squirm and there's Side funny note, the way it is. Alligator so, pie yeah. is one of my favorite songs of all time. Okay. Yeah. Dive in. Yeah. There's there's a lot of obscure ones and that was they were trying to hit a note to sort of pay tribute to Leroy the past uh, their past. Uh, what would he be their instrumentalist he he played so much stuff yeah stone cold up there boom boom nailing it nailing it nailing it. oh you mm-hmm. want a piccolo i got one of them let me pull it out of my pocket <laughs> you know <laughs> penny whistle i got one <laughs> you know the gigantic baritone sax sure I'll carry that one along with <laughs> yeah. me too let me walk backstage here you know i've got something in a box somewhere i play on this yeah. song yeah yeah, yeah. And I mean, a lot of this album, too, was, I mean, not only like the mentally processing, the musically processing, and that they had a lot of of clips and tracks of things that they recorded from time to time. Like, we don't want to lose this idea for a song. Um, and they tried to take a lot of the stuff that Leroy had played and make music around it, you know? So Yeah, so this song is the oddball in all of that. Yeah. That it, it doesn't fit... I don't think, did they incorporate any old Leroy recordings? I don't think they did. I don't know if this is the one at the end of it. There's just that. That is that is it. Yeah, it's not incorporated. It's just kind of thrown on. It was one of those hidden track things. Yeah, I miss hidden tracks. Hmm. That's good stuff. Yeah, they they did do it pretty good because they did that on Under the Table and Dreaming with, was it number thirty four? I don't know. I think it. I think. I can hear it in my brain. I just, yeah. Yeah. It's. Anyway, they were good at that. 
Yeah. So we're going to say no on packaging. For sure. So we're two for three. Is it honest and authentic? I've been thinking a lot about this. My initial gut reaction was, yes, it's honest and authentic, back when we were talking in our original conversation. Um, and the the more I thought about this song, there's a lot of cliche Dave Matthews stuff in this song. Like, his chord structure is cliche Dave Matthews chord structure. Um, topically, for this point in time, it was beginning... I feel like that newer chapter where Dave Matthews sings about his family a lot more um, and and sings of nostalgia a lot more rather than just sex um, or drugs. Um, so I, I struggle with this, this one over this week. Like it isn't as cut and dry to me as I thought it was originally because, like I was just saying, there's a lot of cliche Dave Matthews-y things to do, which I don't know. Maybe that does speak to how honest and authentic it is. It's just him picking up a guitar and this is the first thing he played, you know. Um, so that's the marbles that are rolling around in my head at the moment. Um, so maybe it is, maybe it isn't. What are your thoughts? Hmm. Well, I know Tiff mentioned that this was him writing this song on a boat when he was with his kids, you know. Uh-huh. I'm at, you know, uh, thinking about that, and this is what comes out, you know, uh, and knowing how he speaks and how he talks in other songs, it it does kind of meet this evolution of who Dave has been, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the newest album, what was that, um, The Samurai Cop? Uh. Like, that was all him just being the grumpy old like that i've heard him even say that what he's the grumpy old man trying to turn around and point back to his kids and go hey don't miss don't miss the stuff yeah um and i'm ready to pass this on to you guys i'm i'm over 50 now i'm not the i'm not the rock and roll guy anymore <laughs> i've i've already done my things i've set my ways you guys can continue on and this was that day evolution you know we all have an evolution and some bands do it remarkable and some bands don't right i don't know if you've had a a favorite band or a band you like and they try to do something new on that next album and it either is a tremendous hit or a tremendous bomb my favorite band which we mentioned in this episode as well which hopefully we'll get to at another time yeah they had a drummer change and then tried to do something else and it just didn't go. It didn't connect, and then they, they just let it go because it wasn't. They didn't want to keep doing the same thing over and over and again. So with that, is a part of authenticity. Is it a part of growing? It is a part of changing. Is it part of discovering who you are, knowing your truth, living your truth? <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I forgot about the boat thing. Yeah, I think this is true. Then I mean, I I would feel bad defaulting away from it so yeah not not because of him personally or my feelings about it like the story around it all of it speaks to what it's supposed to be because the song works by itself or it works with a band um the recording not so much yeah it it doesn't seem since it's just a dave song written by him i mean it it feels like him yeah and it sounds like him yeah yeah, I was just thinking Mumford and Sons is a really good example of that. We tried something different and blah. When they went to their third album, 
and they tried to do electric guitars and rock and roll and it was just the biggest load of crap that had ever hit the internet that somehow <laughs> made it. it it was dude you want to that would be a great episode for me to just unleash frustrations on bullcrap music because that was bullcrap music okay um yeah so we're three for four here yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, is the whole band great no not on this track it's a load not of on crap. this track on grugark's king which kills me because they're all tremendous except my exception is is boyd is okay boyd is the ringo of dave matthews band <laughs> There you go. I I buy into that analogy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Meaning that he is not the best musician. Uh, we had this kind of discussion before we started recording that uh, Boyd gets a lot of flack, uh, especially later in the years by big time fans that he was not in it performance wise. He was flat. His timing is off. Those kinds of things. There are moments where he was amazing, and there's some great versions of great songs out there. But uh, that was a contributing factor to why he is no longer in the band anymore. He did some other personal stuff, which we won't even get into. But uh, I think that was a good. Uh, you, you know, you you want to be nice and don't want to be a jerk. Uh, to someone that's been with you the whole time, but you're just like you're not that good, and we don't like you anymore. And, you're but this, the ship, man. yeah, you're sinking. And, and they didn't want to just throw him overboard, but he did something dumb, and that that wasn't easy. Like, oh, you did the thing. Okay, you're out. <laughs> See you later. Now. You did the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You did some stuff. We're we're not cool with that. You can leave now. <laughs> so yeah, whole band. No, no way. I mean, there was no Carter on it. Yeah. How can you have a Dave Matthews band without a Carter? You can't. Like this, and it becomes something different. Still good. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so we're three for five. Uh, number six, am I changed? Um, yeah. Is that three for five? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. We're three for five. And so six, am I changed? And am I? Not so much by this song. If I, if, like, this is not something that I go back to in my musical repertoire of like, oh, I could do something like this. I remember this. I I am changed from a a nostalgic point of view, but I'm trying to get away from that in this category. Um, And lyrically, he hasn't given me a new way to talk about things. I think one of the magic of this song is that it, it uses language that everybody has used. So I don't think there's anything new or novel from that point of view. Um, My gut says, no, I am not changed by this song, but Mm -hmm. I, but it is a soundtrack part. Like, it's like a soundtrack song to me. Like, the the music you know, in some movies is fantastic and really heightens what's going on, but it's not changing what's going on, you know? Right. It's just adding to the mood of the moment. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at with this. Uh, I can see that, yeah. From just the little bit you've already shared, it was... Hmm. Interesting. Um. Yeah, I I don't know how I feel about change, and I hate that I'm always w- more wishy washy on change because of, like I really like this song. Every time it comes on, I'm like, oh, this song is so good, and I think I'm identifying it more now than I did. Like you have it attached to 
your oldest son being really small and you were at that beginning chapter of having kids. My kids, one just hit being a teenager and I've got two <laughs> coming up right close behind and I'm like, teach them to fly, baby. <laughs> we're at T minus three hours and we are kicking them bad boys out. Yeah, yeah. Let's you see know, you like, fly, ooh, girls. Let's see you fly. Graduated, huh? Where are you going now? What's next? Um, so... See, I see this one of those songs that it could continually pop up and be an inspiring thing. Like, in a new, different season of life, you could come back and get something completely different out of this song, uh, which is the beauty of it. And I don't know if that's you talking about the simplicity and the cliché-ness, but is that what makes it great? Is it's It's just enough of that. Yeah, but sorry, I want to fight back because I I feel like you're saying the song changes. And what I want to know is, does this song change you? But I think you're changing the song and the song is able to dance around these different points in your life, which I think is great. But I don't think that's what I want out of this category. This category is is it like when I come back to it, is this song changing me? Is it giving like, am I different because of this song? And you're just telling me this song is different when I come to it at different points in my life. Mm-hmm. I am. <laughs> so it's not changing you. You're changing the song. <laughs> or the song is growing with you. Hmm. I wish I had something witty or, or could push back on that even more. But I don't. I don't know. So the song changes with me being changed but the song hasn't changed me yeah i guess i could go with that yeah i guess i can go with that um yeah i would see i also have the repertoire of dave matthews as a whole and this song is not once again, it's not the one you would show to your friends to be like, become a Dave Matthews Band fan. <laughs> and this is not the one that I would personally choose then to say, this is the reason why I love Dave Matthews Band. I would I would jump to a dozen other songs before this one. I mean, a great song, but... Mm-hmm. I, I totally I understand. W- I would probably jump to maybe Every Day. Oh, or or not going there personally. um, The Stone, which we already we just Mm -hmm. listened to before we we hopped on here together. Um, Number forty one, but see, I think number forty one has more of this the soundtrack thing that you have with this song Mm -hmm. for me personally. My wife has just. The second she heard that, dink, 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 you know, of number 41, she was just like, or no, that's, I'm getting two-step and 41 mixed up. Uh, I was going to say, two-step is generally like, if somebody's never heard the Dave Matthews band before, that's one I jump to real quick. Mm-hmm. I know it's super cliche, but I love me some ants marching. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that snare, tat, 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 tat. And just, yeah. I think there's some mix issues in that song that I'd love to revisit someday. Mm. Um, but anyway, so we're three for six here. So yeah. good. 
an odd point in time, an odd thing for this band, but still worth listening to. Definitely keep it out there as something, for sure. you know, at a certain point in time. And while you're keeping it out there for that certain point in time, why don't you head over to some certain websites like Apple or Facebook or Instagram or Podmama's House or thegreatestmusicpodcast.com. Leave us some love. Tell us what's going on. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like. Um, thank you, the people that are sharing your insights and giving us different things to listen to. There's some good things out there now. We're on episode 12, and there are plenty of other people's opinions that you're we're starting to see and get on a regular basis, which is exactly what we're looking for with all of this. So keep it coming. And Andy, thank you so much. I really love doing this with you. Yeah, this is a blast. So I th- I think sort of the the opinion specific opinion we're looking for on this one is do you have a song if you have a significant other that uh, is tied to your relationship so for you and Tiff this song is totally if we, you had to release a soundtrack to Tiff and Ian's relationship this is definitely a track on the album this would be track one do you want to know what track two would be yes. <laughs> is it Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye? No, it's it's uh, Paramore's song. Uh, oh, I don't know much Paramore. Recount the night that I first met your mother. Oh, uh, after all, Into You is what it's called. And after all this time, I'm still oh, into you. Into You. Yeah. That's the only Paramore song I know. Oh, okay. man, there's a lot of good Paramore songs out there. Hmm. If you like Another pop, episode punk. for another time. Yeah. So, all right, dude. I think next week we've got one of yours to talk about, and we'll plug and chug like that. Sounds like a plan. I do. See you in the future. See you in the future. Join us again next week when we're going to do something pretty similar. We're going to take that conversation we had with our wives, and we're going to talk about it a little before, a little after, and then run it through our categories. Next week... The song that we're talking about is a band named Ozma. The song is called Battle Scars. Go take a listen, and we'll meet you back here next week. Take care. See you in the future.